Insight and Awareness Spiritual Explorer. Soul Intuitive, Emotional and Spiritual Mentor and Award-Winning Author, Lorraine Nylon. Welcome explorers and thank you for being part of the adventure. Today we have a special guest. We have Tyson Yunker Porter, who's written hey. a book called How You Go, matey. <laughs> <laughs> so and your book's called Sand Talk. So we're gonna kick it off, tell us about your book, and then let's see where this conversation rolls to. Well, this I'm I'm just I'm really interested in yarning with you, you know, because you know, we're we're both people who've written kind of self-helpy sort of guru-y small g guru wisdom-y kind of oh spirit and maybe chemtrails are a thing like like you know skating on the edge of of uh of sort of cult dynamics um probably like i i went further than you uh because my uh -huh. book from 2019 sand talk that you're mm -hmm. interested in talking about that was very much a um uh that was very much an ancient wisdom guru kind of um, self-helpy sort of uh, culty snake oily kind of text, you know. Um, so my next book coming out in October, that's that's basically debunking the first book. Anyway, okay, so I really wanted to, I said yes to this interview because I really wanted to talk to a, you know, a, a, a kind of a, a, a person who's a bit of a guru-y kind of thing going on, self-helpy kind of thing going on. But um refuses to take that big step that will make their book into a best-selling airport book, you know, um, <laughs> by like not, not doing the limbic hijack bloody tricks of, of, uh, that gurus tend to do anyway. Yeah. So I'm interested no, in talking. Well, well, yeah. Well, well, because the, the trouble is, is that if you, what everything is being leaded up to now is that you have one statement and then you milk that statement and then, mm. and you ride that. But for me, it's about, if you, if you want if you want to be on a truly spiritual journey, which is just really knowing who you are, getting to know mm. who you are, and making decisions about how you respond to whatever is occurring in your life, instead of just being emotionally reactive, mm. then then you have to get real with yourself. You have to get honest. And every now and then, you know, something's going to come along and throw crap in your face, and you have mm. to learn how to deal with it. So you got to be resilient and all the rest of it. So I don't I don't really ascribe to the guru statement at all because I feel like I'm in the exploration you know what I mean mm. I'm still learning I'm still stumbling um well that's why um, that's why your book that's why your book isn't a bestseller yeah. right? <laughs> because if you're, you, not, well, if you're yeah. not enough of a bastard to like employ a whole heap of little tricks you know influencer yeah. tricks to 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 tap directly into the limbic system of your of your audience then yeah you're not going to be bestseller you're going to have a small number of um, of relationships that you're committed to genuinely and strongly, and you and you you know you'll help those people because you're in relation with them. So, um, but what you won't do is 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 pay the rent. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So, what mm. what are you debunking in your book? What what is it that really annoys you that mm. that you know now oh. that you didn't know then? Well that's a trap to fall into as well because you can mm. you can get just as addicted to uh, just as addicted and you can hijack your limbic system and get a little rush out of just as much out of like uh you know a sort of a, a capital d debunking skeptic kind of 
thing. Like I, I get a bit of a thrill out of that of debunking, like, <laughs> um, you know, different things and information, especially if it's really popular. And I can say like a whole heap of people or, or someone who's like, you know, you know yeah, yeah, like, um, you know, or Freakonomics, have you read Freakonomics? And I just go on them and then they're done. <laughs> There's a bit of a thrill in that. So you've got to avoid that too. So, yeah, that's um, true. so for me, I, like I try to imp- like, I try and find frameworks, uh, in heuristics, a few different ones, uh, to analyze, you know, analyze the field a bit. And I'll use that as my lens to analyze it. Uh, always with a, of course, indigenous methodology running in the background, um, because I'm indigenous, but you know, I don't want to front and center that either. Because if that's just like, oh, I'm jumping on the bandwagon of centering native voices and like, you know, people who are are sort of, you know, going nuts for ancient wisdom at the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if I if I front and center that, then I'm just signaling, you know, this prepackaged audience, you know, and and I don't want to do that. So anyway, that's that's where I'm up to. Yeah. Well, we've probably confused everybody now. I can go through those things. Hang on. What I'll do is I'll read you this thing here. Well, I I, I, I don't know. I don't mind. I like being confused. If I'm in a state well, of confusion. Actually, you can learn a lot in confusion. It can, it's a good starting yeah. point for, for where you need to go. Yeah. So, well, so, it's, so it's, it's usually confusion is, 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 the, is, the, is the sensation you feel when there's cognitive dissonance going on. Cognitive yeah. dissonance is shit that doesn't quite match up. And it's supposed to be uncomfortable because it's supposed to direct your attention to that thing. Not not to find relief in some bullshit to loop your way out of it and avoid yeah. facing it. Yeah. Which usually happens. Well, and I explain a lot to my clients, like reality can be, reality should be here. You should be really mm. looking at reality, but we'll have mm. a belief system out here. And in That's between it. the two, in between the two, we're doing justifying excuses, making up stories, narratives, whatever suits us. So we don't look mm. at reality. We just mm. get to the belief that we want to hold on to. But while ever we're doing that, we're not dealing with the, the truth of what's going on within ourselves and that then mm. transfers into we don't get real honest about what's happening around us either. So we're just yeah, trying to it. find information that will pacify the belief that we want to believe. Yeah, it doesn't work for but us. At, at the same time, you do need to have some kind of metaphysics. Otherwise, you're just this thing. <laughs> floating around in the quantum soup you know you've got to have something to hold on to just so that you have reality you but have that reality. is part of reality that is part of reality i know and you can't yeah. construct that thing on your own you can't just pick and choose so you kind of have to outsource that to someone else that you trust or a culture that you trust or a you know a body of knowledge that you trust um yeah, and I, that's where I, that's where it's hard because you you've got to really trust i mean you're trusting your whole life and reality to that you know, you don't want it, that to be just one person either. It should be a tradition and a long one <laughs> that you're outsourcing that yeah. to. Otherwise, yeah. someone can really tip your reality upside down and shake you and yeah. uh, turn you into their, like, I don't know, their sub-slave or something. Well, and that happens. And I, and I think when, that's why I always talk about spiritual explorer is that you mm-hmm. – you look at things and you, you know, examine them and you work out what resonates with you and then you know why it resonates with you, you know, like, and that's where self-reflection comes in is that if you can be honestly self-reflective mm. and, you know, and, and sometimes we feel things but we don't know how to articulate it. 
We don't know how to identify in words what it is. So, and, and sometimes that's the exploration is trying to yeah. work out. And then, you know, you outsource information on that. You know, like yeah. shame, a lot of people don't understand the reality of shame. And when yeah. you get the information or narcissism, you know, you don't, you don't understand it and you get information about it and then all of a sudden you're going, uh-huh, okay, that makes sense, that makes sense that's because it. of what you've experienced. Well, you know, sometimes it's... Um... You know, sometimes there's a right story that isn't backed up by the reality, but it's just right because it actually it it helps you put together a useful heuristic for how to get through the reality and actually help the world and help people. Um, mm. So you know, so for example, you mentioned the idea of a, an explorer. Mm. Now, the mythos of the explorer, you know, in in Western thought, um, it's like somebody who's completely free. And they're in that liminal space between what is known and what is unknown. Mm. And they're, you know, very bravely, each step increases what is known and decreases what is unknown. And they're the person taking that brave step, not knowing if they're about to step on a, a weird snake that no one's ever seen before. <laughs> you That's know what true. I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's this idea that they're, that you're an independent, completely free agent, but at the same time, you're while you're not constrained by all the safety nets there are no safety nets you know what i mean it's about yeah. uh you know uh, being being brave and all that sort of thing so the mythos is pretty cool but yeah. so that's right story is that that mythos that goes with it but the reality is you know explorers are backed by wrong story like the story of discovery you know for example you know that that yeah. age of discovery that, and and the idea is you're not free because basically you're being funded by a king and queen or a very big uh, East India company or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. You're, but usually you'll be backed by a king and queen who will cut your freaking head off if you don't bring back enough potatoes and, and I don't know, um, necklaces made Witches out of, and ears of ears of natives or something and, and maps to where the gold is, you know. So you're not really you're not really your own person. So the actual story is a wrong story. You know, that 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 idea of discovery is wrong story. But the mythos of the explorer and where it sits in everybody's hearts, you know, as of a, a fairy tale, you know, concept, you know, that feels like right story. Um Anyway, yeah, and <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. When I look at explorer, I'm coming from that exploring your inner self. And when we look mm. at historic explorers, you're, you're correcting what you're saying. And mm. they also, when they discovered things, they didn't look at the reality of it either. They decided yeah. they put a belief system over the top of it at what they said they discovered. Mm. Whereas there was already, you know, every country that has had an explorer come in and change it has actually yeah. or there was already something there but the another yeah. belief system or mm. um a sense of control and and entitlement came over the top of it like a bloody tidal wave yeah and and well, that like, space. usually the explorers were just the first the first tourists yeah basically they, they had they yeah. had basically tour guides <laughs> taking them through uh, all these different countries yeah. you know? um and they were, they were traveling on roads that were already made <laughs> yeah so you know they were just the first tourists to come into a, a particular resort um but if they were bad tourists like who didn't stay with the contiki tour who decided to go off on their own they wanted to explore the back streets of cartagena 
<laughs> instead of just going to the souvenir shop and jumping back on the bus, then they probably got abducted or killed or hey, stabbed or, or they or they just died of thirst and hunger, the poor buggers. You know? So yeah, if they were good true. tourists, they did well. And if they were bad tourists, then they didn't do very well. Yeah, that's and, and that's what when I look at the individual who's who's trying to understand themselves, they've got a tidal wave of belief systems yeah. that they've been indoctrinated into. So yeah. it's about working out what parts of those belief systems really resonate with your soul, that's my terminology, and and what doesn't suit you and has been ingrained in you mm. but it's not of you and then working mm. out how to to form your own I suppose it's your own understanding of yourself yeah. within the, the, well, the life yeah. that you're having. And if you're yeah. out of your place, which is almost everybody, almost mm. everybody is diasporic and has been displaced and dispossessed of their actual reality. You know, when, when you're out of your place, uh, how do you identify which locals you can trust? You know, yeah. you, place, yeah. you have to inhabit so you can come into relation with that. It's difficult. Yeah. Hey, well, um, true. It, a true spiritual um, journey where you're really dealing with your stuff, you're going to be challenged, you're going to be confronted with a lot of stored emotions and beliefs that when you pull mm. them apart, you'll go, A, they're not logic, logical, yeah, yeah. B, they, they stem from somewhere else. And then you're going to go into a type of shock at how how much you've used that belief system against your natural self. So there's this whole whole concept of of learning, relearning, unlearning process as you go along your own mm. unfolding spiritual journey. Mm. So, And it's unique to everyone because we're coming through our own life experiences and traumas and all the rest of it, which has created a filter to how we're seeing ourselves in the world. So, mm. you know, it's, it's really getting the, the filters where we can get as much clarity as we can. Now, you know, I'm not confessing mm. to say that I've got a lot of clarity all the time but I have moments of brilliance, you know, that mm. I, I go, oh, I get that, I get that. <clears throat> and there's other times where I'll do the spin, you know, jump on the merry-go-round, do a few, couple yeah. of laps and, and you know, mm. then, I, then I get it because I've had to experience it and really to, to understand it. So, That's it. Yeah. There's, this, there's this kind of idea that, that no journey can happen, no growth can happen without a journey and no journey can be, you know, productive unless it's a hero's journey. Yeah. So you become a hero or you become a heroine. And this is problematic for um, for women, you know, because women are freaking vulnerable and they don't get to do as much free fall, individualistic uh, hero's journey activities as, my, as their male counterparts get to get to do. So they're not seen to be advancing and growing you know, as fast as their female uh, counterparts within these organizations, you know, within tech, I'm think I'm talking tech companies, you know, the finance, finance companies, uh, the finance sections of banks, you know, um, so women who are employed in these spaces, you know, they don't get to uh, participate as much in that stuff. So you and a lot of women try and do the, that El Camino, you know, that, um, that no, you have to explain it. Pilgrimage, that that walk that's in Spain. Oh, okay, you got your you know, sorry, yeah. You yeah. Know, Shirley MacLaine, like all these, all these ladies do it. Um, there was a Reese Witherspoon movie. Yeah. Like that was yeah. like a, it was made from a self-help book about the, there's heaps of self-help books about what people have learned on the Camino. Anyway, and we were watching it for about 15 minutes. 
Aram, and then we just turned. We just went, "Hey, that white lady, <laughs> she got she got too much shit. She's trying to carry around there. Why she throw her shoes away? Got angry, and but the biggest question was, why is she on her own? Why is she alone? Oh, we right, can't yeah. imagine, you know, from our point of view, we can't imagine what you could what you could gain from a situation where you're alone and you're not in relation. You don't take yourself off alone and then develop yourself and bring that back as a gift to the group. You you grow with the group. You grow with yeah. your tribe, your family, well, everything else. You can't grow away from that because you're nothing if you're not in relation. But there's yeah. all this self-help, there's all this cult coaching that demands that people fix themselves, grow themselves, make themselves better. You know, as a neoliberal subject, you have to be this perfect self-managing employee um, that is constantly responsible for their own professional development, personal development that makes them a better employee, makes them be able to last longer before they break down and burn yeah. out. Um, you know, someone who can manage their own shit by, uh, you know, um, if, if, if your job is really stressful and really dangerous and you manage not to lose your arm, uh, we need to know that you're able to do some mindfulness stuff to, uh, avoid burning out <laughs> with stress from like all the horrendous stuff and the safety measures we're taking away from you all the time and your retirement fund that we're stealing and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where it's all going. It's all all this stuff is development, you know, personal development. It's the same as what development means in the broader broader culture and in the global economy. What does development mean uh, to you, Lorraine? Development. To, well, to me, it is. It, well, it depends whether if I look at it personally. It's for me to come back to my authentic self, to so to strip mm. away the stuff that causes me to feel like I'm not good enough or causes me to not really embrace who I am. So that's the stuff that's in the way of me operating mm. from my true soul. Development as in society is there's a few things we need to get really honest about the systems we have that don't work, the way that we are devaluing people right across the board and right. the way that we are using the the, the desire for profits mm. to destroy, mm. you know, basically not only the planet but also the people's emotional well-being because I don't meet many people that aren't struggling in some form and that's increasing. So if, if we're, you know, and I agree with what you're saying about, you know, with relationships, relationships of all types, whether it's business or mm. um, personal and, you know, family um, friend groups, tribes, whatever, that, that's, they're going to challenge you with your own stuff because mm. we, we, how we interact. The that's trouble it. is I see is that, that people aren't interacting from any authenticity, you mm. know, and, and so we've got these fake relationships and, and we're turning on each other very quickly very easily one one judgment one thought and then all of a sudden we're turning on people which means we're not listening yeah and we're not we're not hearing what what well, we're not having discussions I, I think that's because people are looking for the authentic thing and so they look for something that they can seize on grab on it as a kernel they can say that's my authentic self and so they fetishize some aspect of their biology yeah or their se sexuality 
or their anything, some some facet of of identity, of social identity, that's you know sort of slides into this this broader story of a of dimensions of social space that people can try and fetishize one aspect of that above all others and call that their center you know yeah but it's not yeah. their center and even the concept of authentic that's a, a fetishization of an idea that there is something unique about you rather than the fact that well maybe you're just like a, a an ai that has has a few basic some basic protocols for how to be in place and that you're not made of anything except what you acquire in terms of relationships as you go. Yeah, I can't say that very well. So I'm going to read you three short paragraphs from my okay, new book. Okay, cool. This will... Uh, this is from your new this'll, book? This will set it up. Yeah, this is the new book, which is called uh, Right Story, Wrong Story. Um, anyway, <clears throat> so the first book was Sand Talk and then this book's pretty much... Um, debunking most of what I wrote before. Anyway, here we go. So there's not much going on inside of you or me as individuals, not much at all. Like me, you've probably had family, mentors, coaches, authors, teachers, and algorithmically tailored content telling you the opposite of that for years. Maybe they told you that inside there is a unique being of hidden depths, fabulous talents, bespoke traumas and a demographic profile of privileges and disadvantages that determines your individual fate. Maybe they gave you a mask and called it a face. So you imagine that entity into being, and right now it's riding your body around like a horse, a complex but flawed rider who is desperately lonely and in need of endless personal development and affirmation. Your rider needs to be heard. Your rider needs to do breath work. Your writer needs to learn cultural humility. Your writer needs to self-actualize. But maybe we're, mu we're so much less complicated and more complex than that, us humans. Maybe we just have basic operating protocols hardwiring us to interact with our landscape, to graze on information from our country, language, and culture until we grow a relational net that can collectively process complexity a mind extending beyond the skull and body as far as our storied maps of being can go. Perhaps when we create, think, feel or communicate, we're only able to do so to the limits of these relational nets. Mm. That's the three paragraphs. Anyway, so maybe you are not you. There, there is no special freaking thing at your core at your authentic core that that actual authentic you is just your net and network of relations and what you've learned culturally linguistically and every other way within that net that spreads out because every individual's net is going to be different like a fingerprint yeah true make that's yeah. your authentic self it's your relations with humans and non-humans that go yeah. along all the journeys that your life has been on you know yeah, and the weak no, and strong and distant and present links all in your life, yeah. you know, relations with humans and non-humans. Yeah, well, it's Any it's your it's your relationships that you know. We if we look back in our past, they they're what we remember, isn't it? Yeah. You know, good, bad, or ugly. And and see, I I look at myself as I look at humanity as mm. souls within a human body. 
but it will wear that they are souls, that we're from something else greater yeah. than what we understand. And and I look at mankind, and, and I get a bit of flack for the word, but I started using it a long time ago, so I'll just continue, mm. is, is it's still souls in a human body, but we've forgotten that we are. You know, and we're and we're stuck just looking at the, you know, the I, I call it the more unconscious energies. You know, where we're we're operating from, you know, greed and take, and um, and we're not we're not coming from the true essence of who we are, and that each of us are here having an experience. So and so our what we're born into is the experience that we're going to have, and that my, I understand the purpose of life to be to really get to understand yourself as a a, a spark within a bigger collective. Mm. So, well, that, well so, that's it. Yeah. Because, look, the knowledge, okay, the knowledge that you and I share now that we have a relationship because, mm-hmm. we've, you know, we've been back and forthing for weeks and now we're, and now we're here, aren't we? So, you know, even if I never see you again after tomorrow, we have a connection, we have a relation. Right. And yeah. there's knowledge that sits in between us yeah so i don't know so my my okay so for example everything that i know right now and that i will know in the future about the idea of of moderating my skepticism and you know the the idea that there's more nuance to the whole sort of self-actualization thing um you know everything around that um that that sits in our relationship, that knowledge, you know. So yeah. whenever I whenever I I think about more or find out more through my experience about that, or even read more, I that that will be stored in in the relational space between us. If you imagine it like a line, and that's yeah. where the knowledge is. It's not in my mind. It's not in my brain. It's not in my yeah. body. It's in that relational space between us. Now, what happens when I die? What happens to all that? It doesn't like immediately zip and upload to you. That's not how it happens. That connection, that in-between space, that relational space, that remains. The entire informational, all the informatics of my relational network, that's what yeah. stays. That's what stays behind after I die. And as far as I'm concerned, that's your go- that's your spirit. That's your bloody whatever people think of as your soul. It's it's there now. It's your relationships. Because that's the thing that remains after you die is your relations. No, that's you know, true. And those things, those things change and move as other people draw on that knowledge and then pass it on to others. You know, yeah. it, it's that's how our ancestors are still present. You yeah. know, is that these relational webs they they turn into three dimensions, four dimensions, five dimensions uh, that resist you know space and time, and our ancestors are present in those relational informatics that are permanent, yeah, which is really exciting. They're not permanent if you upload all of your information to the cloud because that's only as permanent as the rare earth metals on this planet are because once they run out, the whole thing, whole thing crashes. Yeah. It's only as permanent as how long it's going to take before there's another solar flare um, that will, you know, destroy every device on the planet um you know so your permanent data information and stuff is only it can it can only be stored permanently in intergenerational relationships where there's a continuity of culture and a continuity of story 
of a right story. Wrong yeah. story don't last. Long story don't last more than a, well, a century. It shouldn't last either. It shouldn't last. It's interesting because in, in the first book I wrote, I wrote a lot about collective energy. And, there, mm. and, and in there I actually write when two people come together, you know, I bring my collective energy, both what I refer to is both my consciousness and my unconsciousness mm. and yours. Mm. And then there is another collective formed, which is you and I and whatever we exchange within there is exchange mm. between. And so that, that's how collective energy gets formed. That's and I look metaphor. at, yeah, so and they, so what when we walk into a room, there's a collective energy and we feel it. Mm. Mm. So, but we become, you know, an individual, you know, our own stuff is a collective mm. within mm. that collective. So that's. I know that sounds a bit confusing, now, but when you're, no, when no, you're but we're, both, we're both saying the same thing. I think, yeah, definitely. But which has which has more market value? Well, no, uh, well, it's uh, if I can use my collective energy to attract money yeah. to me and manifest, that's that's the market value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where we're at now. Whereas it's well, not where, that. Where, where you could have more market value from your message is if you, um, if someone influential started using that and did well with it. And started passing it on. Yeah. Let's say Gwyneth Paltrow started like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Call I'm just, name, I'm just name, happy for people. Vagina scented um, candle after you, then, you know, and then, then that right, would you you. But, you know, until then, my, my version of this is more valuable than yours in the global marketplace of ideas because. I've got the patina, that that beautiful shine of ancient wisdom. Coming uh, <laughs> on to it. Now, this is important. I'm mentioning this because it's really important. A good one of the lenses, um, one of the, like, uh, I don't know, a sieve, uh, something that I sift through all my stuff with now is the mm -hmm. is this kind of framework of, um, of logical fallacies. So I get all these logical fallacies, right? And I made a symbol for each one and they're all in this boomerang. And right. I worked on that with, with a, a, a group of theologians, like a dozen theologians from around the planet, sat down for a week. And so they were all from different religious Can traditions. I pick one and you explain it to me? Uh, yep. All right. <clears throat> okay. Well, I'll I'll go... I'll go the kind of branch one with the little circle at the end. All right. So okay, yeah. that's uh, well, that's interesting because that kind of came up for us earlier. Um, but that's um, argumentum ad naturum. They all have okay. Latin names. So this boomerang. Please don't ask me to repeat that. Latin. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so originally, originally, all, these were all in Greek because Aristotle, he's the one who invented the discipline of identifying fallacies, logical fallacies. Okay. So he had about a dozen of them. Anyway, the Romans invaded Greece and like killed everybody and then stole all the thinkers and turned them into slaves to tutor their bloody, their stupid nephews and nieces. <laughs> and they turned all the disciplines into Latin. So my boomerang speaks Latin. So okay. it's the, the fallacy is called argumentum ad, um, ad naturum. And that is the argument to nature, argument from nature. So the idea is um, if it's natural, you know, if it's authentic, it's natural. If it's natural, it's better, you know. So like, for example, you know, 
Um, I, so I'm of indigenous descent, therefore, I just know ancient knowledge. It just somehow comes out of my biology. <laughs> that one. Um, or the idea is, well, this this scented candle is better than this other scented candle because the other one is synthetic and this one is organic. Um, you know, um, well, you know, if it grows in the ground, then it's probably good for you. If it comes out of a test tube, it's probably bad for you. You know, all of these fallacies that, like, they're, they're not necessarily true. In some cases, they might be, but in terms of logic, you can't rely on that. You can't yeah. go, oh, that, that proves it. If it's natural, it's good. So, well, taipan venom is not good. Um, it's natural as hell, but I don't want it anywhere near me or my kids, you know? Anyway, so this is the, I just wanted to show you that one. So I... Mm. So it took a lot. Like I, I, I was in the United States at, at University of um, Notre Dame there with all of these theologians from around the planet. And we sat for a week together and had a whole heap of yarns. And there's like 12 different religions and disciplines represented there. So I, from all that work, I, I distilled out like um, 12 logical fallacies that I then I, I start like using those as an as this net to like sift through all my bullshit to take out the larger uh, turds from my thinking. <laughs> right. so, so I identify the fallacies in my own work and it, it really yeah. helps. It helps to, um, it helps to strengthen not just your arguments, but it, it helps you just move away from arguing in the first place, trying to argue things, you know, it takes you into just speaking as much as possible, just speaking what's needed for that situation, the, the truth that's needed or the information that people need. Yeah. See, I class that as being present because, like, when – say you come into a situation and you want to impart your wisdom, and you might be wise, and you want to impart your wisdom and it's about you wanting to impart your wisdom, right? Yeah. So then, then you've got an ego feed and it's about proving you're right and then you know, the whole, whole little thing happens there or big thing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're present – then then you can operate from that, well, I call it the inner wisdom, and it is mm. where you can discern what's an appropriate story now that might help someone and whether it does or it doesn't, at least you've had the intent to try. And then, mm. then wherever wherever they take it or wherever, they, wherever it falls for them, because a lot of people can hear, you know, we can have five people listening to this podcast and they're all going to hear different things. They're going to interpret yeah. it different ways. So, so you can, you know, you, for me, it's just important to acknowledge that when you're coming, if you've got something that you can share, share it for a reason, not to stroke your ego. Because mm. what's the point of that? You know, like, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's no, there's no sharing in that. That's taking that's the airspace. So mm. it's like operating from there. So that's mm. how I look at it. So, yeah. so I'm going to ask you the question we ask everyone. So what does I, humanity need to acknowledge and understand for us to evolve? It's just like, uh, you know, yes, you are a fabulous and unique individual. However, you are bound <laughs> irrevocably um, within... Um, your relational obligations, you know, okay. your obligations to all the human and non-human entities, um, you know. So these ob obligations are a good thing? Yeah. Oh, these obligations are a good thing because this holds you back, you know. Yeah. Yes, you have to have this power, but it has to be held in check. 
uh, right. relational relational obligations. That's the check and balance to your, you know, running off into the universe and and it's like Jafar in in Aladdin. Right. There you go. That's what I tell to the world. You know, what's what's, what's this guru's like special wisdom? Watch uh, Aladdin again, and you know <laughs> how they catch Jafar in the end is he gets, you know, um, all all the power in the universe that a genie has. Um, right. But that also means he's got an itty bitty libby space. <laughs> he's stuck in a lab. <laughs> he can't even use it only to obey other people's wishes. Yeah. So that's kind of yeah. like what it's like. Yes, you are unique. You're potentially unique and fabulous. And you can all be Elon and you can all be Bezos. You know, you can be Jeffrey. You can be Elon. You can be anything you like. You could be Gwyneth Paltrow and Oprah and all the rest. You could be that. However, Hold yourself because who you really are is not that. Who you really are is your relationships. So hold yourself in your obligations to those relations. Uh, yeah. Always. Yeah. yeah. You are. That, that's you that's are really good advice. That way hold and yourself. limited. Yep. You're limited yeah. in that way. It makes me think of a story. I was at a barbecue and the kid, the kids were all sitting around. This is going back years ago. There was all these kids sitting around a table and I walked over to the table and they were playing a game. And it was, who do you want to be? So they were saying, you know, Batman and, and they, you know, someone was saying yep. the celebrity at the time and a famous singer and, and got around to this little girl and, and she looked at him all and she could see she was confused and, and she was learning the drums. And she said, I just want to be me and be able to play the drums. Mm. And, I, and I thought that was a beautiful answer because she was mm. like identifying what excited her. Uh, but I just want to be me, but able to play the drums. Yeah, so, yeah. Whereas they were all, the rest were all fictional and, you know, what was in media and, and all the rest mm. of it. And um, so I clapped up. I was like, yay, don't lose that. Don't lose mm-hmm. that. You just be you. Nice. So, yeah. So And we lose that because we are so influenced by the social media and society and mm. media, et cetera. So, yeah. So it's, it's important to hold on to who we are and know that that's expanding and sometimes subtracting, but our awareness is an expanding and ever-evolving mm. um, understanding. You don't just get to know who you are and you're, you know, touchdown, your job done. It just keeps moving, and that's evolution, keeps moving. That's how I look at it anyway. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So are you happy to play Flip the Book? So, uh, yep, whatever okay. you like. I'm at I'm at your uh, at your mercy. <laughs> our our relationship collective is about sharing time. Exactly. So, yeah. So we've got book one, two, or three. What would you like? Ooh, hang on. I got cups going. Coconut, <laughs> coconut halves. Wow. Which one's the ball in number two? Number two. Okay. So that is actually breaking free from the chains of silence. It's a book I wrote for abuse. Um, childhood sexual abuse victims it's about pedophilia and at the back yeah yeah and it's a it's a heavy topic but it's about all the things that um the trauma and what they're dealing with and how we can support them and etc at the back i've got a soul read where you can you know because they need a bit of alleviation Mm. from that they come back and understand yourself so Mm. and i refer to at the back is the core essence of who you are so i look at 
what your core essence is, you know, and, mm. and it's changeable and we're all different combinations and, mm. and I've only, I think there's 24 of them in there that, that I, I've written about and there's way more, of course. So can you give me a number between one, uh, hundred, sorry, 189 to 215? Um, mm, 212. 212. See where you. Yeah. One, two, three, four. You've got four paragraphs to pick from. Okay. Uh, three. Three. Okay. So this is under the heading of trust. Mm-hmm. So the core essence that I'm referring to is trust. And that came the up purity, for us. Yeah. I think so. I'll have to go back. The purity (laughs) of your trust is not a prize given to those who just appease you, but to those who care about your freedom to be of the truth of yourself. Trust is knowing when all others walk away, there will be a soul walking towards you. Trust means you care deeply. (laughs) Nice. so that would be important to you, trust. Mm. Yeah. Well, look, I um, I like where your book is going. Um, I like the direction of it, especially uh, when I look at most of the people in the uh, self-help sort of industrial complex space, usually um, child abuse is used as a, um, a limbic system hijack for, for like cult kind of dynamics to, to, to grab people and ensnare them. So for a start, usually it's a guru. I've really researched this a lot. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's okay. like, a, a, it's like a guru thing is, um, this idea of the wounded mystic. So a lot of your gurus will have a horrendous child abuse story. Um, and often it'll be linked to something like, um, uh, satanic ritual abuse, uh, because then they get to piggyback off the, uh, the moral panic, wrong stories of, you know, Michelle remembers and stuff from the whole satanic panic, which has been running through from the eighties and, and never really quite went away. You know, they, so they hitchhike a little bit onto that, um, a piggyback on those wrong story narratives, but they identify their own horrendous childhood abuse tale, um, in order to, you know, become the wounded mystic. Um, then what they do once they have people, uh, limbically hijacked by like by that, then they start to do suppressed memory stuff. They start to mm. try and ensnare people with you have been abused. I can tell from your behaviours. I can tell that you've been abused and you've forgotten. Mm. Okay, and so then they through the power of suggestion, they get people to remember all these horrendous, horrendous, you know, abuse things that have happened that actually haven't happened to them. You know. Um, And they use this as a way to cut off their relationships with the rest of their family and their community. Right. So So you use it like a cult setting. Yeah, exactly. So usually in these books, even if you look at them, anytime a self-help book, you know, comes into, um, you know, childhood abuse, it'll be working its way through that same process, end up uh, with the ultimate goal of cutting off the relationships of this, you know, um, of the reader or the, the, the sort of cult inductee cut off the relationships with their family and, you know, the rest of their life. And then, um, basically send all of those relational connections towards the guru or the cult 
um, itself uh, to completely sublimate the identity of the person and to um, you know basically turn them into a living slave, in, into a slave that, that can be utilized in whatever way the organization or the church or the guru sees fit. Yeah, so you've got to watch out for these bastard things. And it's nice to see that you've done a book without doing that. Because I tell you, nine out of 10 of them, they do that shit. That's the, that's, that's the, that, that's the right. So, this is what you've studied. You've like, you've studied this to, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I right. Studied, I've studied, uh, cult, cult induction techniques and, um, you know, yeah, um, it probably makes uh, more sense when dynamics. people understand that though. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like what you just said would make more sense if people know Everything. Everything. Since that moment when I was standing in the sound booth and realized that I was um that I was being disingenuous in my first book and that I was you know, creating these little limbic system hijacks and using these little cult dynamics thing. That's when I decided oh no, I'm gonna study this real close and I'm gonna find out how all this stuff works. And I'm gonna figure out um ways that I can, you know let people know where I've found this in my own work because then I'm not really criticizing anyone else. And then they yeah. can feel free to, without having been judged, sort of have a look into their own stuff and find better ways to cover it up. <laughs> uh, no, stop doing it. <laughs> no, it's, well, we are looking for authentic information. This book, Pedophilia Abuse is not my history. I'm not an abuse victim. And when I started working with people, about 70% of my clientele were abuse victims. So what I started, it took me 12 years to write. I just kept keeping a um, a documentation of the themes, what, you know, what were mm. they struggling to deal with, what belief systems that were created because they were had been abused, what was the, the ongoing trauma and how was that sort of manifesting in their life, you know, how was it presenting, what what were they hiding you know, like a lot of them, even when you touched into their shame and things like that, they they had trouble explaining it, but it was so impactful in the way that they were living. Mm-hmm. So the idea, and then, you know, what's it like for family members or, or people that are working with um, abuse victims? Because you can say some statements that can send them backwards very quickly. Mm-hmm. And you can you can put people in a position where they feel more vulnerable, so they come to you for support, and you yeah, make yeah. them more you know vulnerable. Mm. And the amount of mm. people that have heard that have gone to masseuses and and counselors and things like that, and they've been re-traumatized and abused again. You know, yeah. it's fascinating. So so it's written it from that place of like, well, here's the themes I found. And, and I just write them out to what was found, mm-hmm. and well, and I put look, I do put a only, soul, I do put a soul only, on it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, you're right. You're, you're the only person working in this space, in the self help space, that has some kind of spirituality attached to it. Who has written about uh, childhood abuse without creating a uh, origin story for herself? I haven't got um, one. Yeah. Yeah. So usually people will create a, a an abuse origin story uh, to yeah. turn themselves into the wounded mystic, and you're the only one I've seen who doesn't do that. And that's why you're not selling any books. You got to come up with a. <laughs> <laughs> you got to come up with a UFO abduction story or something. Something. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to sell any freaking books like this. Just tell yeah, do it right with the rewards. Yeah, sales. Yeah. <laughs> 
Nobody wants to hear about your like, you know, authentic self in relation in the world with, yeah. who's just like a, a really good person getting about their business and, and making the world better like one relationship at a time. No, I want the UFO abduction story. I want someone who's going to sell me crystals. I want, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> I want the bullshit because that, uh, that's, that's what I get excited about. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I used to do the uh, – well, the spiritual expos and when you stand mm. back and I just felt like the people walking around, mm. they're all looking for something and they're, yeah. they're, but they're, they want the quick fix and they mm. don't want to really delve in deep yeah. and you can't, there's no quick fix. We're complex and yeah. you can try and simplify it. You can simplify it when you understand the complexity. If you mm. don't understand this complexity, you don't, you can't simplify it. Yeah. So you can explain it in a simplistic way. But for someone to actually really integrate that and live it, they have to actually understand mm. themselves and their and their reactions to it. So, yeah. and and I and I'm watching at the moment. I'm sort of looking at um, one of the things I did write in the other book is when did truth become the enemy? Mm. You know, and and why have we not embraced you know the truth without yeah. having it filtered through some story that suits our ego just well, the truth if you want it embraced it's all about keywords so you got to get a youtube channel and you got to um you got to have the right keywords there so you know um uh, suicide depression uh child abuse um you know spiritual healing like a, a few of those you know, horrendous keywords there uh think about think about how damaged and how vulnerable a person is and what kind of keywords they're going to be typing in and uh put those ones down as your keywords for that youtube channel and butter bim butter boom the algorithm will send you a whole heap of very vulnerable very damaged people and you can manipulate them any way you like sis oh god it's the no. idea well yeah well i'm on youtube but it, I, you know but what you, the you last... can't do that you can't do that as a truth uh, as a truth speaker so you're not going to have a voice in this world because they don't have psychic fairs anymore. And if they do, hardly anybody goes to them um, because you do better online. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. What you going to yeah. do? Well, I will say, well, see, and for me, I'm not a psychic, but I can read soul energy. I can read emotional energy, which everybody does. I just do it a little bit yeah. on steroids. You know what I mean? I just it sort of. But yeah, it's called nonverbal communication. Exactly. And shared context. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, but sometimes there, there, I are, there are occluded informatics that are quite biological and quite explainable that, you know, uh, yeah. we often have um, metaphors that are spiritual to explain. Um, yeah, but they're, they're, they're pretty much there and measurable if you're, um, you know, it's they're getting better at measuring these things. They, they keep discovering the things yeah. that carry these these signals like mycelium and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so what, would your, very cool. what, what are your parting words, Tyson? What do you want people to know? Um, <sighs> there are capital G gurus, uh, but they're in India and they just have local followings there. Um, everyone else is a small G guru. Stay the hell away from them. Be careful. Uh, don't get ripped off, you know strengthen your relationships if you want to heal yourself heal your relationships yeah if you don't have any relationships if you don't have any relationships you are going to die really soon so get some relationships 
and make them healthy, good ones. And they don't have to all be human beings either or pets yeah. that you've trapped trapped in your house. <laughs> you know, make some non-human relations that are independent of you out in the world. Yeah. I'm not expanding okay, okay. relational web that way. That's how you heal. I enjoyed the conversation. But caveat at the end says the says the sick dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Don't listen to me. I'm, 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 <laughs> I got no advice for you. If I had good advice, I'd be following it and I'd have my shit together. I don't. <laughs> That's called right. being human. That's called being human. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. It's Thank really you, good Tyson. to yell with you, Lorraine. <laughs>